Part three of session 89. Let's talk here finally about Ra's history. Let's begin. In the last episode, we ended up with questions that led Don to ask Ra about their conditions in third density. And this had to do with how they were figuring out the Tarot or the archetypical mind, really. Um, the Tarot is something that they gave here on Earth, but they didn't develop the Tarot in Venus. So they were asking questions or he was asking questions about uh, if the reason why they didn't get the card 22, the fool, or the choice well was because they had uh, a very positive harvest, which I believe we're going to talk about here. And that's going to lead into the questions that are going to basically finish this session. So we have a lot to cover and all the questions are going to be related to that. So. I have my tea ready and my questions ready. So without further ado, let's dive into Ra's history. The first question that I have here is question 27. And Don says, were some of Ra's population negatively harvested at the end of Ra's third density? And Ross says, we had no negative harvest as such, although there had been two entities which had harvested themselves during the third density in the negative or service to self path. There were, however, those upon the planetary surface during third density whose vibratory patterns were in the negative range but were not harvestable. So, <clears throat> uh, to set the scenario, we're talking about Venus, Venus's third density two and a half billion years ago or so 2.6 billion years by Ra's numbers and so I haven't read this in a while so I may see different things that I had in mind in the past Ra's saying that there were two entities which harvested themselves and were negative I don't know if this was at the time that it was the harvest or it was before because remember, harvest can happen, or you can you can be harvested. You you can harvest yourself, if you will, uh, but decide to come back, and that is reaching, in essence, four density vibration after you die. But that you decide to come back just to help uh, others, and it's a very common thing to happen in the positive sense. And uh, Ra has talked about this. So I thought that they were harvested at the end of the cycle. That's the key word here, cycle. So at the end of the cycle, there is a harvest, but mind-body-spirit complexes can be harvested throughout the cycle, as far as I remember. So Ra is acknowledging that there were two negative entities or people or mind-body-spirit complexes that were harvested in third density. Don's going to follow up and say, what was Ra's average total population incarnate on Venus in third density? The number. 
the average total population. Ross says, we were a small population which dwelled upon what you would consider difficult conditions. Our harvest was approximately 6,500,000 mind-body-spirit complexes. There were approximately 32 million mind-body-spirit complexes repeating third density elsewhere. So just as a refresh, remember that at the end of a cycle, a major cycle, third density is comprised of three minor cycles or they're called, uh, I can't believe I forgot, there's a major cycle and is it a minor cycle or is it the great cycle? I totally forgot, I'm blanking. <laughs> uh, so okay, there are three small cycles of 25,000 years on uh, the major cycle of 75,000. And so in those uh, cycles, you get harvested. At the end, anybody, I mean, you, you can get harvested or repeat third density in the planet. And you keep repeating until the end of the major cycle. At the end, because the planet is moving to fourth density, then all those harvested can either stay in the planet or move to another one. Most people, I think, choose their own planet. Uh, others don't, and that's a whole different topic, but the point is that those who need to repeat their density, they have to go to another planet. Okay, that's well known from the beginning of, of the raw material, but we haven't talked about this in a while, so I'm refreshing it. And so what happened? Ross given the numbers here. They were approximately 32 million people. Actually, no, that's 38. Um, they say they were a small population. And so if we add the six, six and a half million people who would harvest it in the 32, there were approximately almost 40 million people, let's say. Uh, it's very small, actually. That's like the population of uh, one of our average countries here on Earth. Um, I think my own country is about 20 to 30 million or so, Venezuela. So imagine, very small, very small population in Venus in third density. And so I'm assuming here that, of course, they're talking about the end of the major cycle. Um, so yes, there is the, there were how, how much is this out of 38 six would be a sixth of the planet basically was harvestable which is not bad i think compared to what we may have on planet earth so uh yeah that's a lot of people a sixth so what's that 18 percent or so 17 percent of the planet was harvested and this is a positive not a positive planet, but a mixed planet, actually, but the majority being positive, of course, as Ra has explained. So those are the numbers. About 40 million people lived on Venus, on third density, and six and a half were harvested positively. That's the Ra group. Next question, Don says, what was the attitude just prior to harvest of those harvestable entities of Ra with respect to those who were obviously unharvestable? So how did those spiritual people uh, deal with those who were not spiritual? <laughs> That's a terrible way to put it. Ra says, those of us which had the gift of polarity felt deep compassion for those who seemed to dwell in darkness. 
This description is most apt as ours was a harshly bright planet in the physical sense. Huh. I wonder what that has to do with the... Yeah, that last... You see that last sentence? First of all, they felt a huge compassion. Now, you can imagine this compassion by knowing that Ra has several times say that they were very naive, they were very loving, and they care a lot for each other. And so the compassion that they felt for those who dwelled in darkness was huge. Um, we can we can feel this, you know, in our own planet because the more we awaken, the more we feel compassion for everybody else. Um, and this is a growing thing in, I mean, collectively and individually. As you become more aware of reality, then you become more compassionate towards others. So, interesting. But then again, Ross says at the last sentence, this description is most apt. The description that they were very compassionate uh, because their planet was very bright in the physical sense. So the planet was very bright. I wonder if the atmosphere, as we know it in Venus right now, is the same as it used to be. Something tells me that it isn't, but we know that Venus, for example, is known as the morning star because it's the first and last thing you see at the horizon um, before the sun either comes out or sets. And it's because very bright. I think after, of course, the sun and the moon is the brightest object that we see in the sky. So it's very bright. And Ross mentioned this, but I don't, I don't know if I can make the correlation because we see it bright because the sun, which is the only thing that is giving light, is reflecting almost entirely out of the the atmosphere of, of Venus and whatever rays do manage to get inside they almost not never leave but they stay they don't bounce back to space so it gets very hot and so uh, I think it was the Mariner that landed in the 70s might have been uh, and it just melted <laughs> within seconds uh, everything just got um, annihilated in in the entrance and we got a couple of pictures and it looks looks very barren and yeah it looks like hell <laughs> uh, some people may not like that but it's true it looks like it's so volcanic and orange skies and so on like it's just it's it's very disturbing so yeah when they were in third density Something tells me that it wasn't this hot, so the atmosphere must have changed at some point. I forgot my physics, so I don't know what they project at Venus. I think that's a hypothesis either way, that at some point Venus released these uh, greenhouse gases and, you know, we have used it to scare the hell out of ourselves here for, you know, um, global warming and so on. Anyhow. I digress. Let's get back to what Ra is saying. Ra says, There was every attempt made to reach out with whatever seemed to be needed. However, 
Those upon the positive path have the comfort of companions, and we of Ra spent a great deal of our attention upon the possibilities of achieving spiritual or metaphysical adepthood, or work in indigo ray, through the means of relationships with other selves. Consequently, the compassion for those in darkness was balanced by the appreciation of the lights. Um, yeah, okay. So, a couple of things here. Mm. They did whatever they could to reach out all those who would want to be helped. And I think that's a good lesson for us to remind ourselves here. Because as we awaken, we also feel the need to help others. And so we try to help others when they're not asking. <laughs> so we get into trouble. Um, we must wait for their calling to help. Um, but again, just do whatever feels right to you. I'm not here to tell you what to do or not to do. Then they say that those on the positive path, of course, they have the comfort of companions. So I would imagine that that amount of people, that percentage of the population, imagine this. Uh, let's take, can I even do this? Let's take 10% of 8 billion. That would be 800 million. Then over a billion people who were on the positive path, um, I mean, decidedly on the positive path. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking one, one to one and a half billion people. That's the percentage of people comparatively on planet Earth that were on Ra's population awake and wanting to achieve spiritual or metaphysical adepthood. Um, so this was done through the means of relationships, which they said sexual energy transfer and just downright, you know, compassion, acceptance and love for other. That was their method, you know, just pure relationship with other people. And that, it's interesting, you see, to be harvestable, I've always said that it's not necessary for you to, you know, awaken uh, to the full reality of what, you know, this is. I think open in the heart is just enough, and that's the requirement of uh, third density graduation. And that, that has its own description, but having that in mind, then the rest is just, you know, how much do you want to uh, do metaphysical work or spiritual work? Just bring this light into the planet. And that would be work in Indigo Ray. So interesting point there. Uh, again, just to summarize that, I don't think it's necessary for you to become a fully, you know, full-blown mystic with indigo ray you know shining all the time uh, but just opening the heart is enough and whatever work can be done that's welcome you know because why not you know you're awake <laughs> so it's almost impossible not to want to do that um, but i think we also have the idea and i see this a lot especially in um oriental philosophy that they're uh, if you're not the Buddha, then, you know, you're failing. And I don't think that's true. I don't think you need to achieve, you know, Buddhahood to be harvestable. Um, and yet you can't help but strive towards that once you open your heart. So it's a bit of a, you know, ironic situation there. 
but that's that's the that's the point okay so lastly they say consequently the compassion for those in darkness was balanced by the appreciation of light so that compassion i think there is a subtle mention here you see um the compassion heart felt emotion towards those who were in darkness um unconscious of their reality was balanced by the appreciation appreciation of the light light represents wisdom although they <clears throat> they do admit that they didn't they didn't have much wisdom and they had to spend a lot of time in fifth density balancing wisdom because they had a lot a lot of compassion but whatever they did i guess that's what balanced it at that point let's go to the next question question 30 Don says, would Ra's attitude toward the same unharvestable entities be different at this nexus than at the time of harvest of third density? Ra says, not substantially. To those who wish to sleep, we could only offer those comforts designed for the sleeping. Service is only possible to the extent it is requested. We were ready to serve in whatever way we could. This still seems satisfactory as a means of dealing with other selves in third density. It is our feeling that to be each entity which one attempts to serve is to simplify the grasp of what service is necessary or possible. Wow. Yeah, that last part requires or begs a little bit more of reflection. So Don's question is, in essence, would you behave the same way to the unharvestable entities as you did in the past in third density? And basically, no regrets. <laughs> it's what, no regrets. Oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> That's a meme, by the way. I, I didn't make that up. That's not a pun. <laughs> I use a, an old meme for a pun figure that one out okay so not substantially they wouldn't be too different um <laughs> uh, life is funny okay so they would definitely uh do the same thing i love that they say to those who wish to sleep we could only offer those comforts designed for the sleeping what does that translate to <laughs> i leave that to your consideration uh, we talk about sheeple here and people who are asleep and unconscious people and so on. So how do you serve them? How do you serve the people who are not willing to open their eyes? Well, Ra suggests that they would only offer comfort. So tug them into bed, <laughs> basically. Mm. Give them warm milk. Um, tell them a bedtime story. Whatever that means to you in relation to, you know, conscious awakening, <laughs> figure that one out too. Service is only possible. This, this is the key phrase here. Service is only possible to the extent it is requested. I just mentioned that and I didn't know that they would say here, but I mean, this is common knowledge now at this point. You know that you cannot help somebody who's not asking for help. You can only listen to them. My approach is just to listen. Um, and based on my own biases, you know, respond. And whether that be, you know, something helpful or not, 
to the person, then you know that's that's what it is. Uh, but you, yeah, you only talk when when you feel is right to say it. No judgments against you, of course, <laughs> please. Uh, but yeah, maybe just to keep in mind that I'm talking to my old self in trying to give advice to people who are saying something and because of my newfound knowledge, you know, I could I can help you, you know, I know what's happening to you, let me help you. Um, we've gotten into a lot of trouble in the past for trying to do this, and I'm talking historically. Uh, let me help you, let me save you, let me burn you for your sins. <laughs> Let's not do that anymore. Uh, we were ready to serve in whatever way we could. I like that, I appreciate it. This still seems satisfactory as a means of dealing with other cells in third density. Yeah, sure. I agree with that. And this last part uh, kind of befuddles me. It is our feeling that to be each entity which one attempts to serve, right? So to become each entity, that's what I read here, right? To be each entity which one attempts to serve, so to kind of relate to the other, is to simplify the grasp of what service is necessary or possible. Yeah, I myself need to give some thought to this. Let me know in the comments what you think about this one. Because I have nothing to say. I need to reflect on that. Let's go to the next question. Question 31, Don says, What techniques did the two negatively harvested entities use for negative polarization on such a positively polarized planet so it's it's a good question really you know what did they do you know on such a positively polarized planet to to become negative to polarize themselves the negative ones two people right Ross says the technique of control over others and domination onto the physical death was used in both cases uh, we are not um, strangers to that on planet Earth. <laughs> Upon a planetary influence much unused to slaughter, much unused to slaughter these entities were able to polarize by this means. Upon a planetary influence much unused to slaughter, right? These entities were able to polarize by this means. Wow, okay, that's brutal. Upon your third density environment, at the time of your experiencing, such entities would merely be considered, shall we say, ruthless despots, which wage the holy war. Oh my god, that's a great... <laughs> that's a great view of our planet. Aren't we a jewel of the solar system? <laughs> um, I like to be sarcastic in case you haven't noticed. Um, but yeah, look at this. I mean, they're saying that Okay, so this is this is how they polarize themselves. Okay, first of all, there were two negative entities, as they mentioned before, two negative entities in Venus. At some point, they could not have lasted that long in the cycle, so I'm not sure at which part of the cycle. Was it at the end of the major cycle? Um, was it at some point? I don't know. But the thing is that they existed, and do I'm thinking that this was at the end of the major cycle for some reason I just keep thinking this so imagine these two entities negative entities third density trying to polarize themselves so what does Ross says 
The technique of control over others and domination onto the physical death was used in both cases. We know that. You know, we control them and we kill them, basically. We did this in World War II. Uh, it's our most recent. It's still happening. Don't think it's not happening. It's still happening. Uh, but we got like a public display of this and no shame, you know, kind of attitude towards it. In World War II, of course, I'm talking about the Nazis. Which to me is a great lesson. Uh, upon a planetary influence much unused to slaughter, this would, this was what confused me. So, on a planet that was completely unused, they were not used to this slaughter, then these entities were able to polarize by that mean. I guess coercing people and intimidating them into, this is what's going to happen to you if you don't follow what we say. Um, I'm just simplifying, I guess, things here. Upon your third density environment at the time of your experiencing, so 1981, things have changed a little bit, but not that much. We're still ruled by these um, thought patterns in the collective consciousness. But Ra is saying that compared to our experience, we would consider them just ruthless despots, which wage the holy war. So to us, it's just like, Oh, okay, another dictator. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, I know I am I am interpreting this my own way, but that's how I see it. That's what Ross said here. Come on, what else would they say? <laughs> Such entities would merely be considered, shall we say, ruthless despots, which wage the holy war. So yeah, dictators and other, uh, I mean... Uh, I don't know why they say holy war. Uh, we know that holy war has been an excuse to, again, expand our control in people. So, yeah, what, monarchs? So, yeah, yeah, we got a bunch of them, like a big load of them <laughs> over history. Oh, how many can we count? Um, so, yeah, we have, we have lots of them. Don is going to continue to inquire into these two entities here. In question 32, Don says, did these two entities evolve from the second density of the planet Venus along with the rest of the population of Venus that became Ra from second density to third? Really clever question. And Ra says, no. Ah, so Don says, what was the origin of the two entities of which you speak? You would be surprised of what you're going to read right now or listen to. Are you ready for this? If you don't know, be ready to be shocked. Ross says these entities were wanderers from early positive fifth density. So get a load of this. Um, so first of all, they didn't they didn't graduate from second to third density. They weren't natives, so to speak, to planet Venus. They came as wanderers. And these wanderers were positive fifth density. Early positive fifth density. So they had graduated in third density positive, I assume. I mean, this is just an assumption because they could have been graduated negative. I don't know if Ra explains this, but I'm just, I like to cover all kinds of possibilities. Raha said that over 20% or around 20%, I made that up, not over, 20% or so of negative entities in fourth density 
they make the switch to positive in fifth density. So when they graduate to fifth density, 20%, a fifth of negative entities in fourth density um, graduate positively fifth density. They switch. So they could have been. I don't know. As far as we know, they could have been negative and then switched to positive. But let's assume that they were positive and they went through fourth density, which is probably the most um, uh, feasible scenario. And Ross says that these uh, these entities, these wanderers, they were from early positive fifth density. So they went to help and they became negative. And Rod does talk about this as far as I remember. So <laughs> let's get into this. Oh, it's so much fun to go into history. Question 34, Don says, and yet, though they had already evolved through a positive fourth density, they, shall we say, flip polarity in the reincarnating in third density. Is this correct? Okay, so my assumption was right. Uh, Ra says, this is correct. They, I assume that Ra would have corrected them and say, oh, no, no, they didn't go through fourth density positive. So yeah, four density positive, fifth density early positive. They came as wanderers to Venus and they became uh, negative. Don follows up and says, very curious in question 35, what was the catalyst for their change to switch to negative? Let's go. Ross says, in our peoples, there was what may be considered from the viewpoint of wisdom, an overabundance of love. These entities looked at those still in darkness and saw that those of a neutral or somewhat negative viewpoint found such harmony, shall we say, sickening. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. The wanderers felt that a more wisdom-oriented way of seeking love could be more appealing to those in darkness. Okay, so let's, let's stop there. So... How did these wanderers who came here programmed to be uh, helpful in the positive sense, of course, how did they switch? It all starts with a wrong ideal. You see? Um, let me speak about this before we get into, uh, into my own views. And again, this is just my own views because this is third density and you can do whatever feels right to you. So, Ross says that <laughs> from the viewpoint of wisdom, there was an overabundance of love, right? <laughs> There's too much love, okay? Set, relax. That's what we're seeing right now too in certain aspects of new age. You know, just become full love, you know, all loving, you know accept everything, turn the other cheek, uh, the whole Jesus, you know, martyr type of thing. <laughs> I'm sorry, I get a kick out of this. It's just funny, it's cosmic jokes. From the viewpoint of wisdom, an overabundance of love is sickening <laughs> to those entities. Uh, that's what they say. These entities looked at those still in darkness and saw that those of a neutral or somewhat negative viewpoint found such harmony sickening <laughs> so everybody else who weren't um, who weren't positive right they weren't part of those six and a half million people um, they saw this love as sickening <laughs> neutral or uh, negative <laughs> I can see why <laughs> too much 
<laughs> we need a balance, people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry that I don't cut these um, <laughs> these laughters. I know you're smiling at least with me. At least the corner of your mouth is tilted upwards. <laughs> so what did the Wanderers say? Well, the Wanderers felt that a more wisdom-oriented way of seeking love could be more appealing to those in darkness. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just too funny for me. Don't ask me why. Um, <laughs> they said, I mean, it's just funny. They came to help, so they saw, wow, what a bunch of you know hippies loving all loving all compassion people. Uh, well. I mean, there's a lot of people here who clearly don't agree with them, so we need a mo more wisdom approach. Let's give them more wisdom. <laughs> so what happened? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to try to read this. Ra says, first, first one entity... <laughs> first one entity began its work. <laughs> Does that even make sense? First, one entity begin its work. Maybe I'm clouded by laughing too much. <laughs> um, yes, first one entity, first one entity, I guess the first one, the first entity, there are two entities here. The first entity began its work. So yeah, let me help these neutral and negatively polarized with more wisdom. Then quickly, the second found the first. So they met and they said, okay, yeah, let's, let's do this. These entities had agreed to serve together, and so they did, glorifying the one creator, but not as they intended. About them were soon gathered those who found it easy to believe that a series of specific knowledges, I didn't even know that knowledge had plural, and wisdoms would advance one towards the creator. So they began basically their own cult, right? Somehow, that's what it seems to me. Um, the first one began its work, you know, let's let's do this. Then the other one found, you know, they, they made a pact before coming into Earth and they got together, they found each other, cosmic brothers, sisters. And I think they were a couple, right? Gender-wise, male-female. Um, so once they started their work and they found each other, then a lot of people started you know, flocking towards them. What else did they say? The end of this was the graduation into fourth density negative of the wonders, which had much power of personality and some small deepening of the negatively polarized elements of those not polarizing positively. There was no negative harvest as such. So people didn't harvest themselves uh, which is kind of what I see, you know, I'm going to give a bit of my my own view here. If I'm going to laugh again, <laughs> just thought it was, I think the whole scenario is very, very funny. I don't take things seriously. I'm sorry. Um, and I know you don't either, because I've been saying it for a while. And otherwise, you, you'd be sick of me at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, think about it. Fifth Density... I still think that people in the future will make animations of the raw material and there has to be some funny episodes like this one 
you know, fifth density wanderers, they say, yeah, positive ones, let's go, let's go help Venus. So they incarnate and they say, I mean, clearly they see that something needs to be done to balance this love. And so they say, let's approach it with wisdom. So they approach it with wisdom, but something got in the way, which I'm going to speculate here. You see, because if you're trying to balance things out, then you are liable to feel that the side that you're taking, right, is the good one. You know, that's that's the way, you know, the other one is not. So you start to buy into an extreme, a polarity, right? Um, and without you even noticing, you become uh, controlling, you become too attached to the methods. That is a danger that we have seen so many times in history. So it's funny that it still happens in the solar system and I'm pretty sure in the universe in general, at least under veil conditions. Okay, my tea is done. And now I can talk about um, the, the ideals, right? Since I was, since I know myself, right? Since I know this manifested mind-body-spirit complex that I call Gabriel for conventional means, I always had a, an aversion towards ideals. That's not to say that I didn't have my own, because I did, especially in my early 20s, um, mid-20s, around there. I had strong ideals in terms of what the planet should be, you know, and based on my own uh, studies and whatnot. That quickly died after I saw that it was just for nuts. But prior to that, and after that, I... Why am I confessing this? Because this is how I see the world. I see that there's sh not, see, that would be an ideal. <laughs> um, not that there shouldn't be that, ev but every time we have an ideal, we're buying into a game. And that game is that because things are not right, we're going to fix it this way, right? This is the way to fix it. And fine, you know, if that's what you feel that needs to be done, that's what needs to be done. But to grasp and attach yourself to whatever it is that you thought it was ideal at the moment is a way to uh, drag yourself into trouble and drag others into trouble as well. It's a very delicate topic because most everybody has ideals in this world. Um, this is where I deeply resonate with uh, Oriental philosophy in general. And I think the Taoists have expressed this in a more pronounced uh, fashion, which is to say that, you know, there's, a, there's no right way to do things. And so the famous supposed dialogues between Confucius and Lao Tse, um, where Lao Tse laughed at Confucius' moralist uh, view, even though Confucius' moralist views, you know, are pretty good compared to what we have now. I mean, uh, no surprise, 
great philosopher and you know idealist of society and structure of culture and ethics and so on uh, almost like Plato if you will but you know Lao Tzu would laugh at all of them and say you know you're the fool by thinking that you can you know order society and it's going to be fine because you're missing the point that things will always go their own way you see so most of you may be asking the question so, so what do we do now question is why would you even have to ask the question what do we do now why 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 do you want to do something why do you need to be prepared why do you want to fix the world what what is it that you want to change because by you changing it you're just giving it another inertia you see that's what karma is you know action that requires more action to keep it going you see so ideals are the birth of this inertia you know, you think that this is the way, you know, we should all live off the grid. Okay, fine. You know, that's what you feel. But then, you know, be ready for that to change. And no, no more off the grid. And uh, we should cultivate food, you know, in, in our own backyards. And then suddenly, you know, mass produce food again. Okay, that's what happened. You know, um, ideals can get you into trouble. That's what we see here. Once again, uh, you can see that the wanderers, the positive entities who came to Venus to help, they had a pretty good plan, of course, they were going to help. Second, they saw what needed to be done. Sure, you know, too much compassion. Hippies. <laughs> uh, come on, get out of there. Uh, balance it a little bit more. I mean, I, I'm sure that Rob would agree that they needed that balance. But it was applied by some sort of ideals that we're not sure what it was. And it was polarized negatively they started to apply this to you know control and domination to the point that them two got harvested to negative for density and they found themselves oh <laughs> what are we doing here um i'm getting ahead of myself sorry spoilers but yeah that's idealistic views and so again i know the question will be like what do I do, Gabe? My answer is, I don't know, my friends. Figure it out. Figure out what you want to do. That's it. Um, you can have... Here's another point. Morality is an individual thing. Good and bad is an individual thing. It is the capacity that we have to, at the moment, decide what is good or bad. What is right and wrong. It is not a set thing is not fixed morality is not fixed if you fix it then it becomes liable to interpretation and you know what happens with interpretation so morality is individualist uh, it's individual and ideals are the same it's your ideals you apply to whatever you think is right don't try to apply to others or expect that to be the norm in the world my two cents I rest my case. Let's move on. In question 36, Don says, what was the reason for the wandering of these two wanderers? And were they male and female? So here we know. Ra says, all wanderers come to be of assistance in serving the Creator, each in its own way. The wanderers of which we have been speaking were indeed incarnated male and female as this is by far the most efficient system of partnership. Um, let me address something then. Um, 
it is said here um, first okay old wanderers come to be of assistance in serving the creator of course that we know each in its own way indeed they were male and female uh, and Ra says that the most efficient system of partnership is male and female I know this is going to strike a sensitive chord especially nowadays with certain groups who identify themselves in such and such way which we know is the gender uh, gender freedom uh, and whatnot um, this is a good example of being idealistic you see uh, things are as they are and we should live in spite of that and not associate ourselves or grasp and attach ourselves to identities and so on so what this means to each and every one of us is completely independent but Ra has said this male and female is by far the most efficient system of partnership oh Ra is saying he's uh, I've actually heard this he's homophobic <laughs> what how can Ra be homophobic um, we tend to project ourselves even to social memory complexes <laughs> so yeah there's a there's a lot to say here it's a very sensitive topic in the low of one but I don't hide things I know that's just what's been running around um, I don't try to make a light joke out of this but it's um, it is what it is you know people are interpreting this way fine you know that's what people are doing you know and others say something else I think this is just what Ross said you know and like I like I mentioned I think there is an unequivocal and undebatable portion into the male and female incarnation which is that hey that's what makes babies you know so there is an efficiency here that needs to be acknowledged you know at least at that point love is universal however that's the key thing never never forget about love that's what connects us all regardless of past gender future whatever it is differences love we all seek love because we are it we just forgot it but okay let's move to the next part question 37 Don says as a wild guess one of these entities wouldn't be the one who has been our companion here for some time in our sessions would it and Ross says no so no it's not the negative entity that is uh, bothering them or annoying them Don says in question 38 then from what you say I'm guessing that these wanderers return or wander to Ra's third density to possibly seed greater wisdom into what they saw as an overabundant abundance of compassion in the Ra culture is this correct Ra says this is incorrect in the sense that before incarnation it was the desire of the wanderers only to aid in service to others the query has correctness when seen from the viewpoint of the wanderers within that incarnation again let's reread this because Don is saying oh so the plan of the wanderers here's the incorrectness uh, he says Don uh, from what I'm guessing, the Wanderers returned or wandered to Rothstar Density, to Venus, to seed greater wisdom. See, that would be a predis um, yeah, predisposition in their plan. I don't think it's such, I mean, it's a wild guess. Isn't that what 
no, he didn't say it here. Uh, it's interesting that Don asked this because, for example, Jesus' plan was to seed love. That, that's what he discovered. So um, it's a pretty good guess what Don said here. But that's not how it worked. They they didn't plan to come here because they saw, you know, and said, oh, there's a lot of love there. Let's bring some wisdom to these, um, to these uh, loving people. No, what they did was they they simply wanted to serve, right? They wanted to serve others in uh, increasing harvestability. But once they went through the veil, right? Once they went through the veil, they forgot, and they only knew that they desired to help. And so, um, that's basically what Ra is saying. Before incarnation, their desire was to serve. After incarnation, they did see that, oh, the best way to serve is to bring wisdom. And again, I believe that was proper. I mean, I can see the need for balance. So, fine, you know, that's that's that seems to stand out. But the means in which they imparted this wisdom was um, too idealistic, in my opinion, for what I can see. Here's another point within the law of one model. Ra has said that those who work with wisdom, right, it's the male polarity, have a higher probability to become negative because the male or wisdom is what puts order. So without being informed with love, that order can become negative. And so our history is plagued with that. Like I said, you know, uh, it's um, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Is that right? Of course it is. We, we think we're doing good. And so we do uh, good things and the good the the good goodies they're the ones who create this holy war and this whole mess so yeah again it's interesting how they designed you know to come here and help but they they switch and again just to put it into context and i'll say it now this wasn't a problem everything gets fixed in the end and I, they, they, they'll talk about this i think so Let's continue on. There is no problem, never a problem. Question 39, Don says, I just can't understand why they would think that a planet that was doing as well as Ra was doing, as far as I can tell, would need wonders in order to help with a harvest. Was this at an early point in Ra's third density? Uh, oh, here's the answer, you see. You can see that I haven't read this in a while. So Ra says, it was in the second cycle of 25,000 years. We had a harvest, of, uh, a harvest of six out of 30, to speak roughly, millions of mind-body-spirit complexes, less than 20%. Wanderers are always drawn to whatever percentage has not yet polarized and come when there is a call. There was a call from those which were not positively polarized as such, but which sought, but which sought to be positively polarized and sought wisdom, feeling the compassion of other selves upon Venus as complacent or pitying towards other selves. Wow. 
Okay, so we got numbers. I like this. This was in the second cycle, so it wasn't at the end of the the major cycle, seventy-five thousand years. So we're talking about fifty thousand years into third density. Very well. That puts uh, an answer to my question. And um, you know, Don is making an assumption here, which I would like to. Uh, polish a little bit or answer in my own way and Ra explains it a little bit more mechanistically um, but he's assuming I think that hey planet Venus is doing well why would they require wonders you know um, but the planet is not really doing well or bad it's just it really is it, that's comparatively I guess you know with our planet and they were doing fantastic so why would they need wonders? It's a good assumption from Don. Uh, but no, like Ra explains, you know, they, wonders are called to help those who are calling. I mean, that's their job or that's their mission. That's their purpose. That's their lesson. That's their call to polarization. That's, that's their function. So they will be called even if it's, you know, 1% of the population calling, they will call, uh, they will answer the call and in any way try to help so yeah that's what makes up you know the the assistance of the wonders now Ra explains again okay second cycle of 25,000 years uh, remember 75,000 years is the major cycle or the whole span of third density there are three cycles first 25,000 second 25,000 which is the one we're talking about here and the last one which is where we are right now on planet earth so they had a harvest of six out of 30, right? That's um, approximately 20%. And that, I think that's the number I gave, about 18%, right? Six and a half to 38 million. Um, six out of 30 millions of mind-body-spirit complexes. Well, they changed the number here. So I don't know if they're talking about the same thing. Six out of 30. They said 30, 32 and six and a half. Yeah, I guess they're rounding. Uh, wanderers are always drawn to whatever percentage has not yet polarized. So what I just said, there was a call from those which were not positively polarized. Okay, yes. I mean, 30 something million. Um, yeah, numbers, numbers bother me sometimes. I thought they said that 32 million people had to see i'm not quite sure with these numbers because they don't match as far as i understand their previous numbers maybe i'm wrong but didn't they say six and a half million were harvested positively and 32 had to repeat that makes 38 million but they're saying here that six out of 30 millions were harvested uh, there's something off there. In any case, um, so there was a call from these 30 million, whatever the amount was, uh, as such, but which sought to be positively polarized. Of course, yeah, they were. They wanted to be polarized in the positive sense, um, and sought wisdom, feeling the compassion of other selves upon Venus, a complacent pity towards other selves. So that was the attitude, see? 
they sought wisdom because they said, no, 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 that positive, you know, cloying, uh, sickening way <laughs> of being so loving, that's not the way. It's wisdom. So uh, they failed. So when in doubt, always be loving. Always look for love. Yes. I, I think that's, um, that's the beauty of this. I could spend a whole episode talking about this because this is this is the key you know this is the key to heaven if you will uh, it's love it's always love so you see how there was a percentage of population who were simply following love to I mean, a great extent too much I think there needs to be a balance and we can balance it here we can and should balance it here um, because yeah then in the end we're gonna have to balance it no matter when <laughs> um, but then if you only look for wisdom wisdom not being informed with love then this would happen they saw those as pitying towards other selves or complacent wow that is um that's harsh okay so let's see how much do we have we have about five more questions or six. We're moving into question 40. We're getting close in time. You know what? We will make this part uh, part four. Otherwise, this might go into the hour and a half. And I don't want to do that. So, yeah, we will, we will pick up whenever um, in the next episode, whatever was left. We have just a bunch of questions more. It's going to be a short one. Conclusions. So, looking at Ross history as, as a way to individually analyze ourselves is, is a good way to bring balance to, or to invite balance to our lives. Um, I remember early in my awakening that I felt that I lacked love. I saw everything with a lot of, you know, wisdom and male polarity. And I wrongly, I think, saw this love as being something that I had to do. I had to be loving. I have to be super loving because I'm not. So I kind of exaggerated it a little bit and that felt insincere, a little phony even. And that was my corrective mechanism to see that I didn't feel it. So why would I want to express it? And so I just decided to find love within anything that I did because anything that I did contains love. So even if it seemed bereft of love, try to seek it there and that has been my approach you know for balancing my uh, bias towards wisdom and you know the more can I can accept myself then the easier it becomes to just you know find the love within what I do and what I want to do even if if it doesn't match you know what we 
we hear that love is. Oh, you should be loving, you should be this way or that way. Getting a concept of love is always so reduced, so diminished, because we cannot. I mean, we have been trying to define love. Philosophers have tried, poets, uh, and failed miserably, just like we try to define ourselves. Who are we? We can't define it. Love can't be defined. So you have to, you know, um, you have to find it within yourself. And like I said, in my own experience, it was just a matter of analyzing everything that I wanted to do, because I would judge it, you know, as this is pretty selfish, you know, what I want to do is selfish. Oh, I'm very, I feel this negative emotion when I want to do this, or I repress myself in this way. And all you need to do is just see why, you know, why, why is that happening? And when you get right down to the bottom of it, you'll see love, you know, there's always love there, either contained or not in my case, but expressed too much. And so you can see the balance there and say, oh, it's contained, you know, or it's repressed. And it as a repression, as an expression of that repression, I act in unkind ways. You see, there's always love contained there. Uh, I need attention. I want uh, acceptance from others. That's love right there. You know, it's contained within you. It hasn't been released, so you need to find it ev uh, somewhere else. You know, that, that kind of work is what alleviates these um, these tensions that we have. So an overabundance of love, of course, falls into the category of, which is, again, I don't have much of an experience here, but um, it falls into the category of being too naive and being taken advantage of, which is, you know, the crux of a lot of people, especially wanderers, who are very naive in that sense. Um, I would assume that those of Ra, wanderers from Ra, would be like that. Not all of them, I suppose, but some. Um, so yeah, that is the, uh, that's the beauty of this, that there is a balance. And as I said before, I don't think there are ideal ways to be balanced. You find yourself that balance. That's what Ra has suggested all this time. Um, it's not about following a specific dogma or doctrine because it says that this is the loving way or the wisdom that, that it is. I mean, there are things that are true. You know, if you go into the ultimate truth, and this is why I like to work from this ultimate truth, which is that you are. That's an undeniable truth. I mean, you can say, well, what I am, you know, uh, I can define myself. Yes, but you can always define yourself as being. Isn't that the ultimate truth? Of course you are. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to listen to anything I say. So, what are the implications of you being? Oh, that's a beautiful, beautiful exploration that it will take you all the time in the universe, eternity. It's taken the creator eternity to discover being. And so, there is great power there. Not great power, it's infinite power to inform your reality.
So that's my suggestion. Uh, the only thing that you know for sure is that you are. And that is not a dead realization. That is the realization. And to explore being is, yeah, that's, that's what brings balance to you. In any case, that's all I got to offer today. Thank you so much for following this up until this point. Uh, like I said, we have more questions to cover, about six more. And one of them is a little bit long. Uh, it's still, it goes back to the archetypical mind, uh, but I don't think it's going to be that complicated or complex, speaking of complexities. So thank you so much again for listening. Um, hope you are well and take care, of course, of yourself until the next episode. And that would be the last part of session 89. Very short one, as it seems. I'll see you there.